Devin and Morgana have been celebrating midlife love by getting married a hundred times in a hundred countries. They believe grown-up love gets better and more fun, especially for women. Everyone's smarter, wiser. Men are more relationship-ready. And if they're not, it's obvious. Forget anything you were told about being too old or too late for love and adventure. Instead, get fresh new tips on dating, relating, and travel to exotic destinations. And best of all, call in for personal guidance, creating crazy, sexy midlife love in your life. Hello, welcome to Crazy Sexy Midlife Love. My name is Morgana, and this is my husband, Devin. Yes. Yes, we are today 25 weddings deep into getting married 100 times in 100 countries. We started when we were 47, or at least I was 47. You're an older man by a few months, so I'm not sure how old you were. You could have kept that a secret. No, I think you were 47 when we began and you turned 48 like a month later. So anyway, we, uh, hey there, we have bought tickets to South America. All right, because the weddings will persist. Finally, finally, starting in 2022, I think we're going to be making up for a big two-year gap with weddings in Chile, Uruguay, and uh, Buenos Aires, Argentina, mm-hmm. and also probably China, South Korea, and maybe we can sneak in some other weddings while we're in that area. That's correct. So uh, let's see what's going on. Anything else on your mind, my love? Uh, no, I guess the show is over. Oh, well, thank you for coming. No, we have a guest. We have a guest today. Actually, I'm so excited. Not half as excited as Devin is. If Devin and every man in our audience thought the menopause show was like, you know, edge of your seat, exciting what you've been waiting for all your life. This week, our show is about infertility. Yeah, that's um, doesn't get sexier than that, no. right? No, I mean, listen, it's an important topic. I exactly. get that. I know. I've actually I've known a whole lot of of guys that have uh, gone through this, um, and with with their spouse, and it's challenging and difficult. And I guess we're going to be getting yeah. a bird's eye view. Is that well, the right analogy, or do I need to come up with a better metaphor? With a better metaphor yeah, than a bird's eye. It's a thing, especially as we get older. Like when I I had a miscarriage, and at the same time, a friend of mine the same age was going through IVF treatments. It's going to be a different experience for everybody, but it is a challenging experience for every relationship. And I thought that's why we should have a show that addresses this, especially because our guest is fun. Like she is an actor, writer, producer, performer who created a musical, a, or in her words, a quasi musical about infertility. So our guest, our upcoming guest is Mayrav Zur because this is something that happens and how she, uh, you know, we're going to talk about how you make love work, even when things are rough and challenging. So enjoy the show. Welcome, Mayrav. Thank you. I cannot tell you how excited my husband is for this episode. It's like a dream for him and every man. Like, I thought we had hit it out of the park when we had our menopause episode, but there's nothing men like to discuss more than female infertility. Yes. Right? Yes. Anything related to the female reproductive system, men are very knowledgeable knowledgeable about everything and very open, love to discuss it all the time. It's like they know more than we do. Yes. I'm going to save all of my questions to the very end. Okay, but do, do ask them. I I will ask them. You'll be surprised because I'll probably say something, but I'll be asking about baseball. (laughs) Awesome. So like uh, uh, making an analogy. That's good. I could do that. Okay. (laughs) 
power eggs like baseballs. But let's let's begin, shall we? Yeah. With your story, because I think it is wild and marvelous that you created a musical. It's a musical. <laughs> in air quotes, why why the air quotes? Um, mainly because I'm not a singer and um, it is a solo show. Hence, when the songs, uh, the musical parts start, I don't break out into dance with 50,000 other dancers behind me, unfortunately, yet. Maybe in a new version it will be. Um, but uh, there are musical bits and I rap more than I sing and uh, things like that. But um, yeah, it's so I call it a musical because it's not the typical musical format, but it kind of is. And it's like a show, but not in a regular format. And it's a story we can talk about, but we don't. It's a lot of this, but not really. So I put in air quotes. <laughs> yeah. So for our listeners, the show is called Inconceivable. The totally true one woman, semi-fertile, quasi-musical, musical in quotation marks. Yes. Yes. So it's a, a nice short title. <laughs> just falls off the tongue, trippingly yes. on, off the tongue. So what is the background story? Uh, the background story is my, professionally, my background is in theater. I'm an actor, producer, writer. I've been doing that for many, many years, over 16 years. Um, obviously everything I've dealt with, um, is fictitious, um, fictitious characters, um, you know, nothing related to fertility at all. Um, personally, basically all those years, uh, personally, I was dealing with infertility and then secondary infertility and specifically unexplained infertility, which means it's happening and we don't know why, like everything's working with both of you, but we don't know what, why it isn't happening. And secondary infertility, unexplained secondary infertility, which is like unexplained infertility, the revenge. It's like, we have no idea so, what's going on. So, okay. So that brings up just for point of reference, because yes. I, who is um, um, not thinking about all these definitions, what is, What's the infertility in comparison to the secondary infertility, right. you know, the so, basics? Right. So infertility is basically uh, the inability to um, create a sustainable pregnancy, um, to, to have a child um, for various reasons. And unexplained infertility is that there are really no explainable reasons thus far. Um, it's, you know, funny, we can go to the moon and do lots of stuff, but the human reproductive system, we still have not quite figured out yet. So it's titled unexplained because, you know, we've tested all we know what to test and something's still not working for some reason. Like it should work. You two get together and it should work, but it doesn't. And then secondary infertility is when you already have a child and then you, you can't get pregnant after that, which is even more mind boggling because they're like, okay, it worked one time. Why can't it work again? <laughs> so it's well, really a... And when they don't know why, that's the worst yeah. thing because there you can't fix something if you don't know what's wrong. Right. And most people that experience that are like, there must be a reason. And so they just go out on all different directions trying to figure it out because, but because it could be, it could be something with some sort of balance or stress or whatever it is that maybe conventional medicine can't figure out. But, but of course, this is a, um, all these terms are, by conventional medicine. Unconventional is a bit different, but. Oh, and I, and I imagine that trying to get pregnant and not getting pregnant is not stressful at all. Yes. And, and, and also not fun. Like people say, well, at least you're having fun. No, it's not fun. <laughs> the fun is, <laughs> is no longer there when you have to schedule it and, uh, you know, and, and do it like, oh, it's now it's happening now and stop what you're doing. And yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy. I'm ovulating, honey. <laughs> yes. Drop what you're doing now. And many conversations were had like that, but yes. Um, so anyway, that's what I was experiencing uh, privately. Uh, but my husband and I, we didn't talk about it with anyone, uh, especially because I didn't want to talk about it with anyone. Um, 
I didn't know anyone at the time that was experiencing that. I didn't think, you know, obviously I thought I was the only one just like me that is experiencing this. So there's no reason to talk about it. I don't want anyone to, you know, have pity on me. I didn't want, you know, to feel any shame or embarrassment, or I don't want to get into the details and have people give me unsolicited advice, which they did anyway. <laughs> I go, oh, why you need a kid? Oh, where's your kid? Oh, why don't you try this? You know? And so I just didn't talk about it. And, um, and you know, this was this went on for years. And then at one point I said, okay, maybe I should talk about it. It was right after yet another miscarriage and it was a big one. And um, I said, okay, maybe I should talk about it, but I didn't know how um, and to who. And I didn't wanna go to like, you know, group therapy or anything like that because it, to me, it just sounded so disconnected and not anything that I could, that I could do. So, and I, and my friends at the time, I think knew bits and pieces or could kind of, you know, figure it out, but never knew everything because I didn't tell them. So then I said, okay, how am I going to tell them? And I figured out the only way I could talk about it was using my background in theater and comedy. And that was how I was able to do it. I literally invited my friends over for a night at my place. They didn't know what they were coming to. I opened up like a group text and I said, this and this date come over for like cookies and hormones. I don't know what I wrote, something like funny. And they were like, okay, they didn't know, you know, they're they like, oh, what is she up to again? And they came and I just told them everything that I went through, but in a funny way, I, I used a lot of humor, characters, silly songs, props, like, like a weird way of, of telling people something. And they were all there at once. And then I was done and I said, okay, I'm done. Now, you know, go home. Thank you. Bye. I opened the door. I'm literally waiting for them to leave. Cause I was like, oh God, you know, I exposed myself and then they didn't leave. They started talking about what happened and they started bringing up their own experiences. And I was like, wait a minute, this is interesting because we didn't really know about each other. And, um, and we really started to delve into this. And that's when I said, okay, hold on. There's something going on in the world that no one is really talking about as they should. And it's like, kind of reminded me of this whole, you know, that whole thing with everything related to like, you know, women's health. It's like, you know, the women on their period, taking their tampon and, and pad, like hiding it and like the secret mission to go to the bathroom. Like, you know, it's like, no one talks about these things that happen. And, um, and then my friend said, you have to turn this into a real show. It's like, you know, it, it's, it's going to help so many people people have to know this. And so I worked on it, um, took me about a year to develop and everything. And, um, and then I premiered it and I also thought it was gonna be a one night show, but it, it just brought about so much that people related to it really well. Like all people, people that went through it, people that had family members and they didn't really understand what they were going through. I had you know a couple that came up to me, they said, you know, our daughter's been going through all this stuff and we really didn't have a clue what she's going through until now. And, you know, people told me about, about their sisters and, 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 you know, their friends. And it was just, it was really eye-opening. Even, even men were like, you know, I'm going through this with my wife and I didn't really know her perspective. Even my husband was literally, we were in it together when he first saw the show, he was like, oh, I didn't really, I didn't really know you thought about it that way. Or, you know, like it was, it's a different perspective and a different way of, um, looking at things that go on that people don't know go on. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, and that's, and that's how it started. And so then I said, okay, now I, now I got to keep talking about it, even though, you know, it's like, okay, I get up there and talk about my, you know, <laughs> my private parts and all this like weird stuff. And it's very challenging to go through it over and over, but I get that one person that says something like that. I'm like, okay, I got to keep going. So I can see even now the emotion is coming up yeah. and it's really generous of you to be sharing something that you feel so deeply. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot. And it, you know, and this ha went on for many years and, and it's been a while since we were deep in it, but it, it's still like, it's total PTSD. Like it still comes up and, you know, and um, you know, but that's how it is. And I think, every time I perform it, it's kind of like therapy for me as well as for whoever's watching or like edutainment, if you will, it's like this educational entertainment, I guess. Um, so yeah, and if it makes people laugh and learn something, that's great. So what could, how did you, because from what you just said, and 
and pardon me, I'm, I'm looking for the right words. So you have this first performance in your living room with friends. Yeah. And they're now talking and you yeah. should do this. Yeah. And I'm like, I understand the intellectual side of, yes, we have to have this conversation and yes, I want to help people. And I get all that. Like I, I totally understand that. And what did you have to, because at some point you're like, well, I'm going to rent a theater or I don't even know how it works. And ironically, my, my daughter just graduated from a performing arts thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, worst time in the pandemic, but right. how did you, cause I'm sure there's that intellectual process of, yes, I, this needs to be explored. And then there's the emotional process of, I don't want to do this. Can't I hire, uh, you know, an actor and they'll be great. So can, can, can you say more about how that transition went from, Hey, this is, you know, close friends to, okay, I'm emotionally going to gear up and the, they're going to hit us, me with a spotlight. Right. So, um, of course, when they said, you know, you should make it a show, I, I said, okay, well, you may have had, you know, a good time because you know me, but strangers, I don't know if they would want, you know, to watch this. So of course, intellectually, I immediately said, I don't know if it'll work. Like, as, as like my producer brain, I was like, I don't know if this would work. Um, but, uh, but I worked at it to see that it would work. I, I had like these, <clears throat> excuse me, these like pilot shows where I, I had a group of, of strangers that didn't know me at all. Um, somehow I got uh, the group to agree to see this, you know, this presentation and I made like a kind of like workshopping it and I saw that it worked, meaning I saw people laugh. I saw, uh, you know, in the right places or even in places I didn't expect. I saw that they um, it's an interactive show. So they interacted. I saw they um, afterwards they had the same response of connecting to it. So once I saw, especially that first time that it worked with that group of people, I knew it would probably work with any group of people. And I was right. It was, it was working and I kept doing it and I saw that, that it worked, but the thought of how could I expose myself that happens every time I'm about to perform literally minutes before I'm like, why am I doing this? I don't need to do, I don't really need to go out there now and do this. Um, but I, but I go, but you do. Yeah. And why do you? Because, um, that first time that I got the reaction, not the applause and not the, oh, you did it. The first time I got the reaction of, oh my God, I felt that way. Or, oh my God, that happened to me. I can't believe that that was me. That, that makes me do it. Because if it gets someone to figure out that they're not alone in their horrible experiences or they're understood, they're, you know, heard, they're seen, um, you know, people, I, I've even had like, you know, doctors and nurses in my audience, if I can get them to understand the people they deal with every day in a different way, mm-hmm. it's, for me, it's like, it, that's gold. That's like, you know, when you get to people to, to think and, and experience a different perspective, it does everything because it will, it would, it will make a change. So for the, the person who is watching or listening right now, and doesn't have access yet to watch your show. What do we need to know that we don't know about the experience of female infertility? Well, first of all, um, statistically speaking, uh, in the U.S., it's one out of every eight couples trying to conceive are experiencing uh, trouble. Um, And I find that a funny statistic because statistics, as statistics are, um, are compiled from data that is given. There's probably a bunch of data that isn't given. What about all those couples that are not talking about it? (laughs) So, you know, it's probably more than one out of eight. Um, In other countries, it's statistically one out of six. There's also one out of five. Um, So statistically speaking, you know someone who's either going through or has gone through or probably will go through this type of thing. Um, so that's first of all, um, second of all, I, I really feel, I talk about this also in the show, the common well-known health ed, sex ed classes that we know from high school really need a overhaul (laughs) because, um, they're really lacking 
in um, in in data in general and um, and I'm not just saying and, and I understand where it comes from and why it started and the whole you know oh you just pass by the opposite sex you get pregnant <laughs> you know I I get that because they were trying to prevent uh, unwanted pregnancies um, but it also came about to really many people that I've talked to especially women we were sure that you know we were we were shocked when it didn't happen like that because we were so that's what we learned that's what we were told how come it's not working and then when you get into the women that are unexplained it's even you know well but i checked and then it's not that so there are a lot of a lot of factors that go into fertility that women are not aware of and should be even the basics the female cycle women don't know a lot. I didn't know a lot about it either. I was so embarrassed when I was like, we were deep in this. And one doctor was like, yeah, come here. And he sat me down. He drew out like the, the female reproductive system. And then he drew out like the, I was like, I'm so embarrassed that this is what's happening, that I don't know this already, but it's true. We don't, we don't know. And this is, this is basics. And also um, a lot of couples don't, understand that it's not just the female that is lacking in, in the problem. There is a lot of male factor infertility that is, um, you know, they would first test and overtest the woman before they would even consider testing the, the male, um, which is crazy because I mean, you know, it's half of the process here. So it should or be in the case of Henry VIII. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, it's like, Okay, but but yeah, that's a big, big factor. And also men don't talk about it because wow, that that already taps into a whole new thing of like, you know, virility and machoism and all that. Like, oh, I, I don't want to touch on that. But yeah, it, I mean, it happens. It's nature. We're in the modern world and, and, and procreation is not happening like it did. And, you know, things are different. The water's different. The air's different. And lots of different chemicals in the modern world. It's, you know, things influence that. And um you know, I think that that is a big factor. And also, um, I think self-advocacy is very important um, because you kind of, you know, you're like, okay, I want to have a baby. I have a partner and we do what we need to do. And then when it doesn't happen, you're just like, okay, like with me, you go to the doctor and then you just do what the doctor says. Do you question the doctor? Do you get another opinion? not always because the doctor said, you know, so, and, but, but you should self-advocate, you should ask questions. So all of these things are, you know, huge that, you know, people don't discuss. So. Well, since the focus of this show is crazy, sexy, midlife love, let's go to your, your relationship, your partnership. Yeah. How did this impact your relationship? This is uh, a huge one that's also not talked about. It's impacted everything. Um, at first, you know, when you're frustrated, you're kind of frustrated together, <laughs> but then it becomes like this big thing. So with us, um, my, my show is basically, you know, the whole, my story told through humor. Um, and I talk about this there too, but um, at first we, when we were trying, we didn't really you know, we, we started going into fertility treatments and right before I started, I found out I was pregnant naturally. So we kind of like, yeah, we graduated. <laughs> um, and I was like, Oh, that was easy, you know? And then, and, and we had our daughter and it was like amazing. And I didn't even really realize how amazing it was until we started, you know, trying for a sibling. And then I was like, Oh yeah, that we didn't do anything because you know, that that's when we started going into, uh, all the um, artificial inseminations and um, and IVF and all that, all that craziness. And that puts a huge strain on the relationship, not to mention that I was already a mom. And so we're like a family. So you can't kind of, you know, take it out on kid. <laughs> you, know, you can't have this. It's a, it's a, it's another new dynamic. And then you're like thinking, you know, I was in a situation where we were really, really, it was really hard on us. Um, it, like to the point of, you know, horrible fights. Um, the hormones did not help because it was just wacky. And at one point we just said, okay, 
So we have this choice. We can either, you know, have our one amazing child and she won't have a sibling, but at least she'll have functioning parents with a normal relationship. Or we could keep trying for a sibling that, you know, not a guarantee that would happen, but we may not end up being together at the end because it's going to be insane. Um, and we, and at one point we just decided, okay, we're, we're dropping everything. We want to just stay together as, as a family and as a couple. And um, so we, we said, okay, we're, we're good. And we're good with what we have and, and we're thankful and grateful. And, and that's, that's where we are now. And I know that at one point when we were in, um, you know, the whole IVF treatment, part, which was uh, crazy. I spoke to someone uh, in the clinic and she said, yeah, we have many couples here that start off together and then the child comes and then they divorce. And it's just heartbreaking because it's like you went through all this and it's just crazy. So I often say that it's just like you don't get a handbook for life or parenthood. You definitely don't get a handbook for, for infertility, but if there was one, it should be if you have a partner whoever that may be, have one and make sure that your team is solid first um, and, and, and are aware of this rough road because that's what's going to keep you, you know, grounded is, is your team. And so, you know, whoever that may be. And, and for some people, they go about it, as, you know, uh, they go into IVF for, you know, for single parenthood and it's, it's hard. But you have to have someone, you know, if it's a parent or a friend, you got to go in with a team because it's, extremely difficult if not impossible to do it alone and it's and it's a strain on whoever's on your team too they got to know you know you're in it for for the long haul so uh, i'm gonna I, i'm gonna ask probably a fairly ignorant question so i apologize no but it was problem. The, one of the things that I, and this is going back as you had mentioned like high school class i remember and this was you know many 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 years ago where i remember the teacher saying something to the effect of that pregnancy was actually a much longer shock than we think it is. And I was told at the time it was like, like 15%, which means, uh, you know, 85% of the time, it's just naturally not a success. Is there something that differentiates uh, what some couples go through rather than, well, it's just 15%. I, and by the way, I have no idea if that number is accurate because we're going way back in the right. way back machine. Um, did you hear anything similar? And are there, is there difference? Is there differences between the challenges of getting pregnant and just sort of the, the normal function of it's not that likely or less likely? Um, well, first of all, in, in my health class or sex ed class, um, the statistics of pregnancy wasn't really touched upon a lot. So like, we didn't really talk about that. So that's awesome that you learned that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's something like that. It's true. It's not every pregnancy, uh, you know, even uh, one out of every four pregnancies ends up in a miscarriage. Um, there is something also with, with the human body that, you know, for, for some reason, um, even when everything is fine, that sometimes pregnancies just don't take. Um, and I'm not, you know, a professional to tell you right now all the statistics on that, but I do remember that um, one of our fertility doctors tried to explain it. He was trying to be really nice, but it came out really funny and not nice, but he said, well, you know, humans are like, you know, they often get frustrated when they don't get pregnant after a year, but it's like, you know, they're not like lab rats, lab rats, you put them together and there's a pregnancy. Humans, it's kind of different. <laughs> so it's yeah, very you know, sensitive. It's kind of, yeah. So it it is different. Um, but, but yeah, now I think now, particularly, uh, you know, nowadays versus what it was years ago, there's more knowledge and, and why that doesn't happen. So I'm sure there was a lot more unexplained years ago than there is now. Well, I also am just noticing because I don't remember what my husband remembers from health class. So I think that guys in health class here, Oh, Pregnancy hardly ever happens. And every woman in the class is like, don't go near a penis that isn't covered or right. zap. <laughs> right. Although in my case, we were together on um, like the boys and the girls for uh, that, for like the nitty gritty uh, sex ed. So but I there think wasn't, what we hear, what we feel is it's, different. But it's true. It's true. It's also what you hear and not necessarily what you're told. But yes, it's true that not every pregnancy, but um, 
you know, it, it depends on not every sexual act will lead to pregnancy for sure. And definitely even, you know, programmed, <laughs> uh, tried and tested sexual acts also don't necessarily lead to pregnancy in terms of uh, infertility. So I'm really interested because you were touching on this a little earlier about, you know, needing to choose your partner. If you're going to go into this with the partner, you need to make sure that that's solid. Yeah. What did you do to keep this relationship together and make it work? Um, I don't know if we had like, like, I, I, I don't recall if I could tell you like, you know, a, like a steps that we did, or if we used some sort of, you know, like, you know, magic pill, we didn't. But if I, if I'm thinking about it, I think like the most important is to, to talk about it, to talk. Uh, I don't know where I heard this once, but I remember like, I think we were both watching something or something and, and they said, you know, never go to bed angry or something like that. Kind of like that. Like we, we always had to talk. And also with me, I can't, I can't like, I keep things in, but with my husband, I, I can't stand it. Cause it, like, I feel like, you know, it's this like weird air, or, like whatever. So I want to just like clear the air. I think that's important. And when you're dealing with infertility, I mean, there's so much, there's so much, you know, craziness. Like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm telling, like, I remember there were nights I'd be like, I just feel like my fingers are huge. My fingers are huge. You know, like that's, that's what bothered me at the same, at that point. But then we talk about it or, you know, um, things come up, like all these things that maybe bothered us and one another a little bit before, now everything is to an extreme. Everything is to an extreme because you're like, you're kind of up against the wall. You know, you have, especially when you're going through any type of fertility treatments, there, there are the schedules and all these hormones and, you know, everything needs to be set and done. And, and it's, and you keep thinking this, I kept thinking, at least this is not natural. This is not like what, why am I, you know, I really, this is how I'm supposed to have this natural, you know, thing that I'm supposed to do is, is the most unnatural way right now. And it, it's kind of like this, you know, these mind games. So of course it's going to affect the people you're around, um, you know, friends and, and family, obviously, you know, get the butt of it too, but it's not as bad because you don't live with them 24 seven, but yeah, with a partner, got to clear the air, always clear the air. I think that's, that's important and know and, and talk about it. Say, okay, we got to always clear the air, like make this sort of like, not a pact, but kind of like this agreement that whatever it is, you talk about it. Cause oftentimes if we don't talk about things, not only does it like, you know, fester, but you also end up like at least women, <laughs> we blow it out of proportion, you know, and, uh, I'm sure men do too. Maybe things are misunderstood or, Oh, I didn't, I didn't see that you thought about it that way. So when you talk about it, it's better. So I think talking about it is the big one. It, it also sounds like the two of you made a choice that you were going to stay together and work it out together. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole thing was a choice. And even um, when we decided to go for IVF, it wasn't like a, a no brainer to us. We, we left it to the very like last case scenario because I knew, I didn't know, I didn't know, I didn't experience it yet, but I did know it involved much more hormones and all the hormones I took before that made me crazy. So I was like, okay, so this is going to make me super crazy. Let's not go there yet until we have to. And we kept postponing it. And then at one point we said, okay, let's just, you know, go the big final, you know, leg and, and we'll try our best. Um, and it wasn't successful, but, you know, and with IVF, statistically, many go through multiple rounds, not just one. The first round is not ever uh, successful. We knew um, that it, it might take more, but I, I said, okay, wait, I, I, you know, it's a lot. So, um, and it's hard because a lot of, you know, you, you meet with people that are, that have the thought of, do anything, you know, this is, this is your goal. You go, you know, up against the wall to get to your goal. And there are other people that say, no, do what's right. And if it, you know, if you have to go to a different path, that's also fine. Um, and I think that also took us time to realize that it's, it's, it's a choice. It's our choice. It's for us. So no one's going to say it or have the right to say, cause it's us and we're going to be living with whatever choice we're making for us. So that's also important. 
was there any sort of, you know, I, you're off of all of that stuff, right? Or whatever, yeah. all the hormones, that's over with. I mean, have things mostly gotten back to normal or is there re- residual sort of like effects that are more long lasting after you kind of go through this? Because it sounds traumatic. Yeah, it's definitely traumatic. Um, I think like my husband's like cool with it, but he's also like the mindset of like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Like he's, he's very like he's, he, he's set like, okay, he's not, he doesn't obsess over things and recalculate and, and, you know, whatever. I tend to churn water a lot. That's like my thought process. And I, you know, go back to things. I dream about stuff, you know, things like that. Um, PTSD is definitely real for me. I have that today uh, all the time. Like it's, it's happening. And I, and I've recently understood that it will probably happen all the time. It's, it was something traumatic and it will, you know, haunt me every now and then it's like a thing. Um, and I just have to deal with it, but, but yeah, it definitely comes up. It comes up, you know, like something like a song that will come on or I'll see, you know, even like, I don't know, uh, someone, a family walking by or some object that reminds me of something, or, you know, I, we look at our child and I'm like, you know, sibling and like, you know, it, yeah, it, it gets me, but, but, but that's, you know, it, it is, it is what it is. And I'm, you know, I, I just kind of ground myself and say, okay, we're, we're good with what we have and, and we're okay. And everything's okay. And yeah, but it does, does it, come back. Does it help that he doesn't have the PTSD that you have so that like, does that give you like more space that you can go through your stuff? Cause he's not going through it like yeah I think so um and but I think that even if he did go through PTSD or even if he does like even if he has a thought that comes up or whatever um luckily it's never happening at the same time so (laughs) we're not like you know it's all like oh my god we're both going (laughs) so it's not but he's but he's not like that but yeah it's very helpful because it's very um, you know, it's not that when something happens, I immediately go to him because we're not always together when it, when it happens um, physically. But, but um, yeah, it's very, he's, he's very much been like my rock through the craziness because he's very grounded by personality. Uh, so it, it was very, very helpful for sure. Do yeah. you find it's helpful to like take turns going crazy? Um, two people going have, crazy no, at the same time it, no, no, I think that would be, no, he's not yeah. like that. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad that that's not happening, but it's not that, you know, I, it's funny now I'm hearing myself. I'm like, oh, I make myself sound like I'm this wacko and I like, you know, go bounce off the walls, but I'm not, you know, I'm not that crazy. It's just, when I say crazy, it means like, to me, it's like when I get super anxious about something or super yeah. worried or, but you know, well, your body went through stuff. Yeah. His didn't. And, and you're different people. So I would just say sensitive. Yeah. I think like one of the things that he kept telling me while we were, you know, while I'm sitting there, like, you know, shooting up the hormones and crying of like, why I'm like inserting these, you know, crazy chemicals into me and all this. And he'd be like, you know, I wish I could do it for you. Like, Mm. that would be probably the best medical development in the future is that if you could choose who has to do it between you two. And because he was like, Sign if I could do it, I would that. do it. Yeah. 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 What is, what is advice that you would give to couples who are going through this? Um, again, luckily nowadays, I mean, when we were deep in it, I wasn't even, I didn't even think of Googling stuff. It wasn't even at the point where I was, where people Googled all the time. So I didn't even think about that. And I didn't think to really um, get a lot of uh, information on it because I really counted on my medical professionals. Like, whatever they tell me, that's what, you know, they study, they know that, you know, I didn't even think to question it as much as I should have, I guess. And I didn't think to, to read up on it, but now there's so much information accessible that I would definitely say, yeah, first get, get the knowledge. There are many uh, infertility focused platforms um, that have so much information on everything, on the first steps to take on, if you're already going toward IVF, what to do there, um, you know, when to see your fertility specialist, what questions to ask, all these things already available. 
And one of the biggest things that was not available when I was going through it was um, the community that's available in social media, um, which sounds funny, but um, there's, there's quite a big community for infertility on social media um, that uh, specifically on Instagram with people that have anonymous accounts, it gives them a way to kind of document what they're going through and get comments and, and interaction without having to expose themselves, their true identity. Uh, so they don't have to worry about like work colleagues knowing or whatever, and they still get the support and the, the knowledge and, you know, the tips and whatever. So that's also great. So I, I would definitely say, first of all, make sure you're, you know, I mean, knowledge is power is like the understatement. It's really, it's re really truly is. And the more, you know, the more, you know, you go in and you know what, what to expect. And if you don't know what to expect, you can ask and know what to ask. That's huge. And it would help also the, you know, the whole going at it as a team thing. Um, but yeah, going well, at that, it as a team. Yeah. Well, that part really, really comes to the heart of yeah. crazy, sexy midlife love. Yeah. So, um, you know, guys so want the best for us and we women can be so like scary, mysterious to them sometimes, especially when we're going sometimes. through stuff. Uh, what is, what is the kind and helpful guidance that you would give to men who are in this process with their partner? I think um, if you kind of grasp the idea that the female body is able to create another human being. If you can grasp that, then I think it's like easy to understand that there's a lot going on. <laughs> there's a lot, there's a lot going on. And um, I just think that it's like men are, are, they're wired differently and not in a bad way, but they're wired differently. Um, than, than women. And that's maybe why there's that clash sometimes. And it's not, you know, women aren't crazy. If they have this hormone surge those days and, you know, they're feeling these feelings and their body is basically creating space for human life and you know, things like that, or shedding layers of whatever. I mean, the things that are going on, it's a lot like, you know, women are, are, you know, they're, they're going through so much. So I think, I think men need to go through the whole, you know, education of, of what is the female uh, reproductive system, even more so than women, because they need to understand what's going on and what is and, and what is needed. And that's before I get to all, you know, the, the whole societal issues of, you know, uh, what's expected of women and what's expected of women in, in the workplace and to balance all that. Um, so it's a lot of stress and all that together, all those generational angst, <laughs> it's a mm -hmm. lot. Yeah. And so, you know, the, it's a lot to go through. So I really think that um, women, it's super important to try your best not to unload onto men and, and share more than unload, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Like they're, they're part of it. It's not, you know, what's the difference between sharing and unloading? Unloading uh, would be just like, let me, let me put all my woes onto you. Thank you. I'm done. Bye. <laughs> and leave the room, <laughs> which I do. <laughs> I've done, but sharing is like, kind of like, Hey, here's a, you know, a bunch of stuff I'm thinking about and then kind of be part of the conversation. And then you get to hear a different perspective and see, you know, kind of mirror your, your issues. And then you, you can kind of maybe solve them uh, rather than, you know, make it, make it something. Alison Armstrong, a relationship coach, friend of ours, who I really, really deeply admire and respect teaches men to hold the basket for us to emotionally vomit because we need to, we need to get it out. Women being, we, we just, we need to vent. We need, we need to get it out so that we can process our feelings, find out what we're thinking. Right. And all the man has to do is just hold the basket and say, is there anything else? Is <laughs> right. there anything else? Is there anything else until it comes out? 
And Devin, my genius husband here, uh, is the first person I ever hear, the only person I've ever heard do this that I think is brilliant, that works really well on me, is he says, do you want me to listen or do you want boy brain? And then, <laughs> yeah, so my husband does something similar. Yeah, got a smarty. You've yeah, yeah. Wonder, yeah. He's like, do you want, or he'll say, do you want me to listen? Or sometimes he'll say, do you want my perspective on this? Or do you just want to vent? Um, you know, things like that. But yeah, that's smart. That is like yeah, ninja. No, that, that one, <laughs> well, no, that one goes a really long way because it's, it's recognizing what you said a couple minutes ago, which is we are in fact wired differently. We just are. And the kinds of concerns that a woman may have, and I'm not saying this is universally absolute no matter what, but what I'm saying is in general, my wife has concerns that I'm not concerned with. And I concern myself with things that she doesn't care about. And so we're just coming from different places. And so it's hard for me to, to look at a problem and organically empathize always I mean, I can empathize that she's upset or that she's having feelings. I can't necessarily identify if I know she's just sad and go, oh, it must be this thing. And then I'm right. That's usually not the case. What I need to do is, is a, hey, what's wrong? And then hope she tells me. And then as a guy, and I think this is true of most men, not all, but most is that we fix problems. Like if I get together with guy friends and a guy friend goes, I have a problem. I'm like, well, here's the solution. Right. Or here's what I do, or here's whatever. And that's not always the case or the want. Like the guys I do this with, no problem. Yeah, of course, tell me, what's the answer? I'll do that thing. With my wife or with women in general, it's a whole different, <laughs> right. whole different stratosphere. So can I ask, if you are a still doing your show and if you, and obviously we're still sort of on a tail end of a pandemic. So if you're going to be doing the show more or if there's a place we can see it or if it's online or you get where I'm going. Yeah. Um, so I had, uh, unfortunately everything, uh, Everything shut down right when I was literally the weekend I was about to start a little U.S. tour. Of course, of course, right then everything shut down. Um, but uh, and then I um, switched over to virtual performances, which um, were nice to get the message out. But um, unfortunately, it's not the same energy as being in person in a theater. And it was just it's a bummer. But um, I've done I've done virtual shows and sometimes I uh, still do. Uh, and I'm really hoping to get back to in-person shows soon. I don't have dates yet, but uh, if someone wants to uh, connect or find out more, they can uh, either go to my uh, Instagram account or find me online. Um, and, and, and that's where all the, everything I post there. And we'll, we'll have the links, but do, would you like to just say your name on Instagram? Yeah. So on uh, Instagram, I have a whole account for the show. It's called inconceivable show uh, on Instagram. And I have there everything from clips from the, sh from the show, songs, quotes, uh, backstage stuff. I have everything there. And, and given that we are a midlife audience and not everybody's going to be on Instagram. Right. And so that, um, they can find me on YouTube. Also Instagram show, uh, Instagram show. No, inconceivable show on uh, Insta on uh, YouTube, Instagram, uh, TikTok. It's all the same handle. Um, and online, they can find me uh, at mayravtsur.com. Uh, it's M-I-M-E-I-R-A-V-Z-U-R. We'll, we'll have a link. I'm hoping that there's like something they can sign up to get notified about yeah, yeah, when yeah. you have it. Okay, so we yes. really want to send people, yes. yeah, dive into all the stuff online, but be sure to uh, get on the list to get notified when you yep. can see it in person. Yes. And uh, finally, because of the premise of the show, um, how is midlife love better? Hmm. Um, midlife love better. I think, um, I think it's all a matter of perspective. I think um, when you 
I think this certain age gives you perspective on a lot of stuff. Um, first of all, life in general, uh, relationships, men, women, geography, history. It's really a perspective on a lot of things. And I think perspective is huge. It's also something that I, I mean, professionally, that's what I, that's what I do. Um, you know, when, when I'm, when I'm acting, whether it's my own story or if I'm portraying someone else, I'm, I'm showing perspective. It's like, uh, you know, you're, you're telling someone something and then they're sitting there going, oh, that reminds me of what happened to me last week. I see their point now, you know, <laughs> like they, it's, it's a way of, of learning about yourself and other people. And so midlife love, I think that's what that is. It's you're at a different perspective to know and keep learning about yourself and your partner. And um, I think that's what that is. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. Thank and you. Like everybody listening or watching, absolutely check out uh, May Rob's stuff online. If it's you or it's somebody you know, and there's probably somebody you know who's going yes. through this, we want to make sure that, you know, relationships stay together and stay healthy and supportive. Yes. Uh, especially when you're going through something as difficult as, as, as this, that's when you really, really want great love in your life. Um, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you. And thank you for what you're doing. Um, I feel like I got a little bit of uh, perspective and knowledge of, of, uh, of relationships, just like being here and talking to you. Mm, so you. that was also awesome. Mwah. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Crazy Sexy Midlife Love. Please sign up to join our free love family at crazysexymidlifelove.com to get alerts to live shows, call in and ask questions, or just listen in. And ladies, don't forget to download Devin's free ebook, Women Are Smarter Than Men and Other Secrets Marriage Minded Women Need to Know. Also available at CrazySexyMidlifeLove.com. <laughs>